Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. I see dead people. Go ahead. Make my day. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'll have what she's having. For wonderful clips that tell us it is time for the business of film, where I, Simon Rose, am joined by James Cameron Wilson as we look at what's been happening in the British box office charts. So, James, an up week or a down week? (laughs) It's another bleak down week, I'm afraid. Weekend before last, it was down 17.9%. And according to Comscore, it's down another 17.9% from the previous weekend. It's looking dire. We just hope that Dwayne Johnson can rescue the multiplex this coming weekend. But who knows? It's just not looking good. Uh, But then if you look at the same time last year, because... That was always rather reassuring because last year was an absolute catastrophe. Yes. But against the same weekend last year, we are down 60.5%. Good grief. Isn't that terrible? Things are really looking dire. I mean, Sydney World have been obviously in massive financial trouble, but they've been saying one of, the, one of the things causing them massive problems, which I imagine all cinema owners agree with, is just the lack of tentpole movies. But yeah, absolutely, blockbusters. But there are some good films here. And, well, let's go through the chart. And, um, well, it's a bit embarrassing because I haven't seen many of them, but I have seen three films. Well, at least, you know, I see films all the time. But I saw the trailer for the number one film, which is called Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which is based on a children's story written in 1965 by Bernard Warber of the same name. And I just looked at it. I thought, this looks appalling. And having suffered through, well, no, I did actually quite enjoy Clifford the Big Red Dog, which was about an outsized red dog in New York, as opposed to a crocodile. I thought, can I really sit through more of the same? It's Javier Bardem, Constance Wu, from uh, obviously Crazy Rich Asians, directed by Will Speck and Josh Gordon, who did Blades of Glory, which I, again, I I never caught up with. And they also directed the lewd and predictable Office Christmas Party. So I really think there are films around that I could see and I could talk Mm. about. And I'm surprised that's done well because it's, I mean, private schools, I think, are off this this week, but the state schools don't. get off until next week. So I'm true, imagining yeah. Lyle Crawford, I may well be our number one next week. Well, I suppose it depends what this... Not, against, Johnson it, not um, against Dwayne Johnson. What, what is Dwayne Johnson? I don't even know what he's in. I'll, I'll wait to find out. He's in a film week. called Black Adam. That's all I pretty much know about oh, it. And okay. it's a big right. blockbuster. And he's the biggest box office star in the world. So let's right. hope he shifts Javier Bardem 
often <laughs> top row. Okay. But so uh, there'll, yeah, be, it, there'll be weeping pulled, crocodile tears if he does. Well, absolutely. This actually pulled in £2.8 million, which is under the present circumstances not terrible. Mm. And I didn't go to see the film at number two either. And you will know why once I tell you what it's called. Halloween Ends. And you know how much I have loathed the last two Halloween films. And according to the, the critics, this is the what, well, probably the worst yet of 13 Halloween films. Oh. And poor old James... Well, maybe, maybe it'll be lucky for you, James. Maybe Lucky 13 will be the last one. Well, they're saying it, it will be. But they said that earlier in, in the yes. franchise. But Jamie Lee Curtis has been battling... Michael Myers now for 43 years of her life. <laughs> and this is directed by David Gordon Green, who has actually done some good films in his career. He's quite prolific. He directed the last one and he directed the, the reboot, Halloween. And mm. I'm just so tired. It's just so predictable and implausible. Consequently, yeah. boring. So yes. I did, didn't really see the point in going to see it because I think our more intelligent listeners are more likely to be drawn to the films that I have seen. So moving on right. to another terrible film at number three, Smile, which I am surprised it's doing so well because it is so formulaic, mechanical. And the only gimmick is that the people who commit suicide and pass on this wicked entity from one to the next, they smile as they do it. That's the gimmick. Anyway, okay. well, uh, not my Sozy, sort of film anyway, as you know. Josie Bacon is pretty good in the lead role. She is the daughter of Cara Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon. It's down 17%, and I'm quite surprised. But, of course, we are coming up to Halloween, so people want a, a, something spooky and shocking and sickening. Uh, it now has a total of well, seven they can, points. They can just read the newspapers for that. Well, oh, don't, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, t it's made... In total now, £7.2 million, which it really doesn't deserve. Nor does, I think, Ticket to Paradise at number four deserve the total of £7.8 million. This is a very disappointing rom-com with Julia Roberts and George Clooney. It was at number four. It's still at number four. It only went down 28%. I think people uh, I want was, a little bit of escapism. Yeah. I was talking to a friend end. last night, um, went to see the, the, the Banshees of Inniskillian, which I... I will just say, anybody who's interested in movies needs to book a ticket now. Um, it's amazing I'm booked. I'm so booked. Uh, we'll be interested to talk about that next week. But yeah, they were talking about Ticket to Paradise and just saying, you know, how can so many people work on a film and have so many bad lines, which is exactly what you were saying. Just yeah. desperately badly written. Mm. Yeah. Such a shame. Okay. I mean, there are no great films in the top 10, I have to say. And even at number five, Don't Worry, Darling, although it's so beautifully directed by Olivia Wilde, and fantastically acted by Florence Pugh. Mm. It just lets the side down at the end because it just doesn't make sense. Anyway, it's down 40%. It has a total of £9.4 million. I was very disappointed by The Woman King at number six, which has dropped four places from number two because I love Viola Davis. And I thought, think the idea of her playing a West African warrior who was based on a real team of warriors. She's not a real yes. character, but I thought it could have been really interesting. But it didn't really work for me, although I, I think um, 
there are some very, very good performances across the board in it. It's down 53%, which when you think this is a big budget film, relatively, considering the entire cast is largely African-American women and, and English black mm. women actresses, uh, the budget of $50 million, and it's so far made a total of 2.4 million pounds over here. That is not good news. I'm very sorry. Mm. I did enjoy, although I thought it was a bit twee and whimsical, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which has dropped one place. I mean, like a masterwork film. compared to some of them in the charts. Well, it's the best for the film I certainly most enjoyed with Leslie Manville and Isabelle Huppert. What mm. a double act. You, I'd never thought in my weirdest dreams that those two would be sparking off at each other. It's down a mild 25% with a total of 3.2 million, but it had a relatively slim budget. But the film at number eight had a budget of 80 million. And so far here, it's made 1.3 million pounds back, down a horrendous 48%. But again, I would watch Christian Bale in anything because I never know what he's going to be like in the next film. And he manages from film to film to be absolutely unrecognisable. And again, he's unrecognisable in this. He was unrecognisable in Thor, Love and Thunder. He was unrecognisable, of course, in Vice as Dick Cheney. And he's done it again. He's quite extraordinary. Unfortunately, the film is all over the place. It's based on a true event. It's got an all-star cast running the gamut from the wonderful Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Taylor Swift. You haven't mentioned Rock. the name yet, I don't think. Amsterdam. Yeah. I don't mention Amsterdam because Amsterdam doesn't really feature much in it. <laughs> That's okay. Yes. Seems very misleading. Yeah, Amsterdam, directed by David O. Russell. Another major disappointment. At number nine, I haven't seen either. I'm really letting the side down. This is called The Legend of Maula Jat, which is a very long action fantasy from Pakistan, which, of course, is a remake of the cult Maula Jat from 1979, which was so successful that they had to remake it. Uh, at number 10, we've got a new film with a very humble £255,000 called Emily. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's a funny thing, but we've had... have you have you seen this one? I have seen Emily. Yes, okay, I well, in really that case, I think Emily. maybe we ought to take a break before you review it, James. If that's okay. if that's okay, okay. Uh, let's just briefly pause for breath, and then you can um, uh, get us into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is indeed Share Radio. You're listening to other podcasts on Business for Film. You can listen to all Share Radio podcasts by um, searching for Harkon. That's H-R-K-N without the vowels. And you will find us on Spotify and Amazon and Apple and various other podcast platforms. But it is now the Business of Film. And I'm Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson, who's about to tell us about Emily, which is number 10 in the rather dismal UK box office chart. It's a funny thing, but we've had three major biopics this year 
all from Australian filmmakers. And the subjects could not be more different. Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, and now Emily Bronte. Each subject will be well known by many, so it may be perverse that each film has taken a revisionist look at their human material. Which brings us back to the old chestnut of biopic versus documentary. Not that we should trust a documentary to be objective, which I found out. If you know nothing about Emily Bronte, Frances O'Connor's Emily is still a gut-wrenching experience set in a bleak part of the world in bleak times. In this film version, Emily and her brother Branwell, played by Fionn Whitehead, best known as the star of Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, peer into the windows of their neighbours at night. While this is obviously an intrusion on people's privacy and should not be encouraged, it seems a fairly innocuous mischief, but is dealt with incredibly harshly by Branwell and Emily's father, a strict Anglican priest played here by Adrian Dunbar. My trouble is, now that I am so familiar with Adrian Dunbar's role in Line of Duty, I kept on waiting him, waiting on him to say, Dear Mother of God, which, being an Irish priest, may not have been amiss. But for the most part, though, Frances O'Connor, the actress who moved to Australia at the age of two, has elected to cast talented actors over star names. Although Emma Mackey, in her first film, Lead, is destined to become a very big star indeed. I promise you. She'd only been in the profession three years when she was cast as Emily Bronte, and I think she is sensational, drawing on a deep intelligence tethered to a feral passion for nature and a need to break the rules of her strict upbringing. It's no secret that Bronte went on to write one novel, just one novel, and she died before the age of 30. And that novel was Wuthering Heights, while her sister Charlotte penned Jane Eyre and their younger sister, Anne, wrote what is considered to be one of the first feminist novels, The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, and of course, Agnes Grey as well. Of course, being women, the siblings were forced to write under the male pseudonyms of Ellis Bell, Curra Bell and Axon Bell. When Emily Bronte's father concedes that to think that somebody from our family should be read by men in London is doubly emotional, considering that his other daughters also had masterpieces to write and that women in London may have read them as well. Mm. The chronology of the sister's life has been shifted around for dramatic effect. And at one point, Emily even refers to Nietzsche, even though he was just four years old when she died. (laughs) In fact, there are many factual liberties, and O'Connor seems perfectly aware that she is going to upset some literary pedants. But her goal is to bring Emily Bronte alive for a new generation, which I think she achieves with bells on, no pun intended. Be that as it may, it is a holy engrossing drama, beautifully shot on the Yorkshire moors, and with arguably the most outstanding score of the year by the Polish composer Abel Kozenioski. The production design and the sound design, you can never really escape the sound of rain and the wind, brings the piece vividly alive as Emily struggles against the odds to preserve in ink the wonderful stories in her head. Although I was deeply moved by the film, I still think that the finest dramatic portrait of the Bronte sisters 
was in Sally Wainwright's brilliant TV movie, To Walk Invisible. This, however, is Emily's story, and I will be voting for Emma Mackey in the London Film Critics Circle yes. Awards. I do but... actually know who she is because of course, I watch rather more TV than you do and slightly fewer films. And she was in the amazing Netflix series Sex Education as Maeve, um, and probably the best thing about it, which is um, given some of the other people in it, um, Asa Butterworth, for instance, I mean, you know, she shone out like a sort of beacon from the word go, um, by far the most interesting character. And Julian Addison's in it as well. But I, yeah, I can see that Emma Mackey will be a massive star. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, a lot of people know, well, it, it's notable how much like Margot Robbie she looks. And I kept on thinking of that, watching her as Emily Bronte. And because of that, I did start watching Sex Education for the first time. Right. She is amazing. She is. And she, she is does look, she actually looks more like Margot Robbie, I think, in Sex Education. <laughs> Can't say that I'd noticed, but it, I mean, I think it's a very, very funny series. Again, rather weird because it's like an American high school plonked down in the middle of Wales, but uh, very, very. Weird, the Y Valley. Yeah. I was surprised how, how moved I was by it, and I found it really funny and smart. Yeah, sort of. I mean, as as many people of our age have said, if only there were programmes like that when we were teenagers. Well, absolutely. Yeah. You do learn quite a lot, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rather disconcertingly, yes. Well, Emma Mackey is now doing a Hollywood film called Barbie, starring opposite Margot Robbie. Oh, so I was very intrigued to know why she'd been cast in that. Can you name anybody else in sex education well asa butterworth and julian anderson you didn't um, say asa butterworth yes asa butterworth didn't i say asa butterworth yes from the boy with striped pajamas yes he's is it asa he's butterfield main... oh is it butterfield oh i'm it's sorry asa butterfield. oh i apologize yes okay well i got most of the syllables right you, you um, did yeah, very, very good <laughs> yes no he's, he's well, excellent um, okay. right so what that's now? a nice segue asa butterfield is a nice segue um, to Flux Gourmet, which is at 91. 91? Good gracious. Yeah, I'm afraid. Now, I am not a fan of Peter Strickland, but I cannot deny his extraordinary talent. And there really isn't anybody else like him working in England today. The closest we have come to is probably Peter Greenaway and maybe a bit of Ken Russell. I was surprised Flux Gourmet got by with a F15 certificate as even the way Peter Strickland photographs food looks pornographic. And I haven't even mentioned the orgies, nudity, sex scenes, scatology, and obsession with bodily fluids. Our narrator, Stones, is suffering from a severe case of esophagitis reflux, bad breath, and chronic flatulence, which partly explains the title, along with the fact that the film is set in a sonar culinary institute where all things gastronomic are captured on tape audio tape the foundation is run by jan stevens played by gwendoline christie who wafts around in outrageous alexander mcqueen like creations giving instructions to her collaborators in a bizarre form of food related performance art whether it's how to behave in a tricky situation in a supermarket or for Paul Stones himself undergoing a very public colonoscopy. Sound has always appealed to Peter Strickland. His Siberian sound studio was set in, Italian, in an Italian sound effects studio mm. that specialised in grisly horror films. 
while the director's sartorial fascination was mined in In Fabric, the story of a homicidal red dress. His work does hold a degree of grisly fascination, partly because it is so unprecedented, but also so well constructed from his choice of music to his rich visual eye. An extraordinary So this is essentially a a horror film about food? No, it's not. If you want to see a horror film about food, see Fresh. This is not... This is a satire. It's a very dark... Comic updating of La Grande Bouffe or something like that. I did think of Marco Ferreri when I was watching it. Yeah, Yeah. okay. But um, there's not many a film where you would stumble across a line like, you can keep your Epicurean toxicity, but indulge me on the flanger, please. Okay, yes, you're not, you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not making me want to rush and go and see it. Though, if it's number uh, ninety-one in the charts, it's going to be quite hard to find someone showing it. I imagine. Well, it's it's available in selected cinemas and it's on Curzon Home Cinema. There's a wonderful performance from Richard Bremner as the in-house Doctor Glock, who melents to stones that his lot is peering into foul-smelling orifices, orifices for a living. Mm. Um. He's the sort of actor I think Stanley Kubrick would have gobbled up, as would Ken Russell. Come to think of it, he's a sort of he's very much in the mold of Patrick McGee and Max Adra. Oh yes. So there is much to engage the eye and the ear and the mind, even though one is left wondering what it is all about. Well, the preservation of the sound of food, of course, it's what it's about, and the strange characters who have managed to secure a residency at the place, even though they are forced to sleep in the same room. This, of course, proves onerous for Stones, who is constantly looking for new ways to disguise his flatulence. There will be an audience for this sort of malarkey. For me, it is Peter Strickland's most accessible and intriguing intriguing film to date. But there are many people, including you, that I know that I could actually recommend it to, except for Asa Butterfield, fans he gets top billing oh right gosh we see it all through his eyes and he's like an outsider and he's wondering yeah he goes along with it all but yeah he is the lead character really it's i I should i should to be fair it is an ensemble piece so so james you've got something else you want to recommend rather quickly i think yeah, or, I, I don't I recommend, but something else you've seen. Sorry, I don't actually know whether you recommend. Yeah, this is out on DVD. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Anais Demoustier. I have loved her in Elle, The New Girlfriend, all about them and Caprice. She's not only very beautiful, but funny with it. However, I'm afraid that she is becoming typecast. She has cornered the market in playing the pretty girl next door that you're not entirely sure you want in your life. Well, her characters are invariably bright and well-read. There's also something slightly off-centre and disconcerting about them. Aeneas in Aeneas in Love is one such. We find her at the start of the film running late. She's late for everything, the movies, with her rent. Her thesis on 17th century descriptions of passion and her period. Of course, she's always got an excuse, and in spite of her numerous failings, she proves adorable for most of her friends and lovers up to a point. I would have dropped her for being late to the cinema, and her boyfriend, Raoul, rightly refuses to see the film after it has started. So they have a spat then and there, right outside the cinema, and Aeneas accuses him of being violent in his inertia. 
Not that she's remotely loyal to him, unable to curb her attraction to older men and women, and immediately embarks on an affair with a publisher played by uh, Daniel, played by Denis Podelis, who she cannot sleep with as she has a number of irrational fears. She will have sex with him, but cannot sleep with him. And she's also claustrophobic and she won't share an elevator with a stranger. But she's happy to share her most intimate moments. I think the problem with the film is the film is so like its protagonist that it's all over the place and you don't trust it. But I held with it because of Aeneas de Moustier, who I think is absolutely wonderful. And she made it worthwhile for me. And I stayed with it to the end. And I just love French films. So I can't tell if that's a recommendation or not, James. Well, <laughs> it's a, if you've nothing better to do, perhaps, or if you love French films. OK, well, that's fantastic, James. Thank you very much. That's the business of film all looking a little dispiriting, it has to be said. But we'll be back with more at the same time next week, where maybe James will say that, uh, um, that Dwayne Johnson has saved cinema, at least temporarily. That's it, though, for the business of film for this week. We will be back at the same time next week. Good morning, Vietnam! What we've got here is failure to communicate. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? 